Welcome to Soul Forum. I'm Dan Center. And I'm April Bell. And together we co-host a series of conversations and reflections that explore the unfolding search for that sense of soul. The way folks from all walks of life stumble into or construct or give shape to what they describe as their most authentic self or their spiritual sense of things or their own wisdom path. What I really love about this introductory series that we call In Search of Soul is the diverse ways in which the folks we interview describe how they awaken to all of this in their own lives. From the college student to the 87-year-old environmental activist, married couples, those in mid-career, every story and reflection opens up some new window in how we might all find our way into an experience of our own individual or collective soul. Episodes include my reflections on the conversations that integrate insights from poets and theologians, philosophers, and even my 35 years of experience working with all sorts of folks in search of a worthy spiritual path. And I am honored as the founder of a storytelling and wisdom keeping project to spend time with each of them to allow their life story to help give you a sense of how every moment of life can draw you into your own sense of soul. Soul. It's that integrative force that so many experience as a guiding principle or an orienting force in their lives. So give yourself a moment to journey a little deeper into the human experience. Welcome to Soul Form. In this episode, we wanted to pause for a moment and reflect on the conversations we've had in this first series, In Search of Soul. I want to try to capture some of the key themes and to focus in on the insights that are kind of woven into all the conversations that we've had so far. But so just to kind of um, catch us up, what, what have we gleaned along the way? And, and maybe if you think back of all the conversations we've had to date, you too might be able to contribute. You know, what did you, what did you get out of this series so far and how has it maybe shaped uh, some of your sense of how the um, how the journey is unfolding for you. So that's just something to think about as we get into conversation today. One of the things that I have, um, I think number one, the one of the key pieces that has been a takeaway for me, and and I and I. I want to honor this because I, I think there's some real, uh, not only depth to the concept, but it's also woven into all the conversations that I've had. So I don't, I don't know anybody who hasn't kind of tapped into this sort of energy. And that is, there is something to uh, feeling as if your particular uh, engagement of soul, whatever it happens to be, rests inside of what you might think of as a, a collective soul or, or something grander than yourself. There wasn't anybody that I talked to. We talked to John and Cole, Bob, Joan, Victoria. And then this past week, I was preparing for a memorial service for Lou, Deacon Lou, and really kind of seeing his spiritual story as well. All of those stories none of them had this sense that their spiritual life was something that they 
like was an idea that they had in their head, right? That they made up, they had this cool idea and they're trying to implement that idea. None of them had that sense that this was something that they were, um, that they were creating on their own, but something that they were kind of uh, either resting into or falling into or um, finding, the, you know, like it's this greater whole that holds them. Um, and, and it's almost like, um, you know, it's almost not like an idea. It's more of a intuition, intuition based thing, right? I, a sensation based, uh, almost like a kinesthetic trust that I am inside. Maybe that's a good way of putting it. Or I am floating within something that is mysterious wonderful, um, puzzling, curious, some thought of it as the more that I'm held in this thing. <laughs> and I'm, my, my role as a spiritual person is uh, sort of to linger within this greater mystery or this greater wonder. And, and how, how beautiful that is. Right? And we all know that, you know, our lives are cluttered with all sorts of cultural forces and political forces and economic forces and uh, the, const- and the kind of the, the paradigm of language in which we live into. We, we know that these things we navigate each and every day. And so there's something almost like beautiful about entrusting yourself to something that's even you know, larger and grander than all of this constructed stuff that we normally have to navigate in our lives. And people kind of have faith in that, that it's there. And all the people had that sense of it, that it was present for them. It's like the breath that you take when you're reading poetry, right? The piece of poetry is this beautiful landscape and as you read the poetry, the, breathing, the breath you bring to the reading is your place within that piece of poetry. Your, the words as they come out of you that are grounded in this poetic uh, engagement that you're having, that breathing, the breath between the words, that's what it feels like. It's like the the whole is this beautiful piece of poetry and we are but breathing inside of this poetic landscape. That that might be one metaphor that might apply to the way in which people experience it. Or, Or when you pause and get lost in a huge or expansive vista, right down at the ocean or up on the mountaintop and that vista carries you, you just kind of lose yourself within that great grand uh, vision that's before you. That moment can be um, like a metaphor for what people might be experiencing. I think too of like biblical images in the Christian tradition, you know, there's all this talk in the biblical narratives about um, being at sea right? Being in a boat at sea and they're out on these deep waters and their little boat is floating on this grander sea. And I think that too 
is a beautiful image. Uh, the memorial service that we celebrated for Lou yesterday, uh, the concept that they wove in through that memorial service that was so beautiful, a testimony to someone who uh, had a vigorous and engaged spiritual life, was how a river is in a sense always drawn to the great sea. Right? We are, we are always being pulled into this great ocean you could think of that as return, or you could think of that as the great cycle of life, as the ocean, the waters evaporate and move to the mountaintops again, and then we, like the river, continue to flow in the sea. So it's this beautiful image that I think is present for all the people I've talked to that they've tapped into. It's, it's not as if um, you got to work at it. <laughs> it, just, it just is there for you. And this capacity to be able to either experience it or tap into it or uh, entrust yourself to it or uh, seek sort of a greater wisdom by being engaged by it, that's the beauty of the soul's journey. And in, and in many ways, you can think of it as the good news is, if you think about good, you know, what is the good news? The good news is that holds us as well. Yes, uh, the structures we've used to um, navigate our economics, yes, we're held in that. But that's a small, that's a small construct. Uh, the language we use to talk to each other, that's a small construct. Um, the, you know, you think about all the various things that are these sorts of uh, human-made or situational constructs that we are part of. They're they're so plentiful that they feel like life itself, and yet there is more. And that's the good news, that these people, this spiritual journey, and I've had this experience too, I'm, I know you have, rests in that landscape. And that's, that is a thing of beauty. So that's, the, that's just the first thing, is what an uh, awe-inspiring uh, what an awe-inspiring reality that is. And, and we think about it as uh, our religious journey, or our soul's journey, or our spiritual life, but that it rests within this kind of um, sense of, of awe. How, how, do, how do people tap into that? Well, you know, that's, there's many different ways. That's the other part of this, right? So while the, this more holds us all, we all find that we we float or move in that space in a particular way. I think that to summarize what we've learned so far, or what we've gleaned so far from these conversations, is that this experience of the more, um, it's totally available to you. It's not going anywhere. It's, it is just, um, you know, either on the other side of the veil, if you're sort of fuzzy about where it is, it's there. And that's something you can kind of um, have confidence in and trust in. And, and I would say the other piece of that puzzle is that um, it does not require you to really figure it out, right? It, it just requires you to sort of show up and it will it will reveal itself in some ways to you, right? It is it is that kind of energy. Um, how do you not, in a sense, 
construct it like it's some sort of dogmatic position. It's almost like thinking about, you know, faith is not really constructing or buying into a definition of it, but rather um, just leaning into that experience somehow, trusting that experience somehow is a huge part of this, I think. Uh, and that and that's something that we can all do, right? And we should all be doing. Um, the other thing is that um, one thing that was also um, a part of everybody's journey that had a kind of a robust conversation about the soul is that they all had some sort of practices that they engaged in to um, to connect to that more, right? They all had a way to get down to the seashore. <laughs> And that's something to think about, right? What is your way of being down at the shoreline? Or uh, I remember uh, Lori was telling me that um, she's been going on these, what, what she calls awe walks, where it's an intentional kind of way of, of walking in nature and just noticing it so it shows up for you in a way that invites you into awe. And awe is clearly a part of um, everybody's experience of this. Uh, Lou, Lou, Deacon Lou, used to practice Tai Chi. I don't know if it was daily, but it was one of the ways in which he oriented his body, in my mind, to the more. And that's another beautiful way of doing it. Uh, it could be just simply reading poetry or great works or biblical stories and letting that metaphor or that narrative world hold you. Um, it could be like John slowing down and being present for the other. It could be like Bob and Joan where you find some ritual that you do every day or once a week that allows you access to this kind of experience. Um, or maybe it's just a matter of, like with Victoria, learning ways in which you can soften around the edges so that it has more presence in your life. All of those are practices that you have some control over that, that I think we've learned are linked to this experience. Um, ignoring it is not your best option. <laughs> you know, showing up and listening to me uh, is not the thing itself, but at least it might help you a little bit, right? But it just simply ignoring that it's there, uh, that that's, the, that's not going to be a good approach. So find some approach that works uh, for you. The last thing I wanted to say about this, and then I'm going to wrap up today a little early, is um, the other thing that I've noticed along the way is this amazing fluidity inside of what arises in this process, how to describe that. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, the primary goal of the religious system was to build a strong foundation, right? The church's one foundation, or you, you imagine a faith or a Christ as a rock, you know, something solid. And you just wanted something solid to stand on. And that, I think, is what we've discovered. That is absolute illusion. There, there, is no, there is no fixture in this thing. It's, it moves like, 
like currents in the ocean. It swirls like the wind or breath. It is got a dynamism to it. And that's, you gotta cut yourself a little bit of slack in this because it is fluid that when you feel like you've arrived at some place, and this has happened to me over and over again, I have to, I have to be present in that place, but I can't lock that place down and make that where it ends. But it can't, it just won't end. It, it, it just keeps drawing you either deeper or, or into more complexity or nuances or it, or it resonates with your life experience. And so you are always moving into it. And so there's a fluidity to it that you have to sort of trust yourself to. You have to entrust yourself to, right? You have to say, this is going to be something that's going to be evolving and changing and reforming itself my entire existence. And that is a beautiful thing. It's, it's always been tricky for me, just on a personal note, as a clergy person, in that I committed to um, vocationally to being in one kind of uh, theological camp on this thing and then to promote that theological camp my entire life, you know, all, all 27 years of this career. And frankly, I've really struggled to do that. And, and it's because, because of this problem of fluidity, right? It's just an ever changing, ever evolving thing. I'm in such a different place than I was when I was in my thirties or my twenties. Just, you know that to be true. So just being um, okay with the fluid nature of this allows you to uh, embrace the story of another, where they are in their process, right? And to learn from it and to ask questions, to be curious about it. Also to acknowledge where you're at and you can, you can uh, do that with confidence and at the same time knowing that you are also always going to be invited into uh, new awareness, new understanding, uh, expanded sense of consciousness about where you are in the world and how you relate to neighbor and self. All that is going to be very liquid and, and fluid. As you reflect on your own search for soul, that kind of ever-evolving journey that runs like some ancient river through your own life story, I hope that you might find that soul form is a way for you to eavesdrop on others who are tending to their own journey. And maybe in this podcast to find some commonality or insight, perspectives, or even maybe gain a sense of confidence that your own search for soul matters. In our next episode, I sit down with a couple to discover the way they understand how their life experiences, kind of the construction of their own life story, is really the material that begins to fill in the character of their sense of soul, and how those stories and moments and memories kind of collaborate in their search for a meaningful life, or a life with purpose, or a life with depth. Join us, won't you? If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a moment to subscribe. 
If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review would be tremendous. It truly helps us a lot in regard to being discovered by others. This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Storycatcher, spelt as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30-minute presentation is also live-streamed via YouTube and Facebook, where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.